0: I'm used to talking with teens, so feel free to just talk amongst yourself and pull all your phones right now, um, and I'll feel right at home. So, so. but um, it is it is great to be here. Pastor Matt has been um, starting he started a new series a couple of weeks ago in Genesis, and he gets, he got to take Genesis one and two, and we, we were talking last week, and I said you could have just summed it up in one word and just prayed and, and gone home. Good. That's what Genesis 1 and 2 is. God created it, and it was good. I get Genesis 3. Genesis 3 is bad. If you want to sum it up, if we just want to make it like, how simple is the Bible? Good, bad. So I get the bad, so lucky you guys today. So um, I preached a a little while back, and I used the analogy of syrup and how much I love maple syrup, the real stuff, not Aunt Jemima and that fake stuff. And I just want to say a shout out, thank you for all those that brought bottles of syrup to my house it was, it brought it to, It was awesome and so I figured this week I just want to say how much I like Hawaii um, and we'll just talk about that for a little bit and then see where that goes so um, but i do i think about I do think about Hawaii, and I think about the fact that my dream is someday. We want to get to just get to Hawaii and just have a family vacation, just really enjoy it. I see these pictures. I watch Hawaii Five-O, and I'm just like, that's awesome, and and I, I just look at I see the waterfalls, and it's just it's beautiful, and i like, man, I just I just want to go there, and it could just be a one-way ticket. That's totally fine, and you know it's like oh you know I lost my luggage. I'm going to have to stay, but I, I picture and you, you get all those pictures of what a paradise looks like, and then you look at Genesis. One and two, and you see that when God created everything, it was better than even what we can imagine a paradise looking like. When God, the God of the universe, creates something, and He says in Genesis 1:31, "When God looked over all He had made, He saw that it was very good." So it starts out, it's good, nicer than Hawaii. It's just gorgeous, beautiful. And then we get to Genesis 3. And if you have, you have your Bibles, um, open up to Genesis 3. If, if, you're, um, if you don't have a Bible with you, you can just grab one in the seat back in front of you. There should be one around there. And you, you have to flip all the way to page 4 to, to get to Genesis chapter 3. I'm just going to read the first uh, few verses here and kind of look at what, what's going on here. So we've got... Creation, God created it. It's good. And then here comes chapter 3. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals that the Lord had made. <coughs> Sorry. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat fruit from the trees of the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat, eat it or even touch it or you will... If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened, and as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing good, both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful, and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom that it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her stupid husband, who was with her. That's in the original Greek. You might not have that. Just, I studied that. So so she gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to man, Where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you you were naked? The Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? The man replied, it was a woman you gave me. She gave me the fruit and I ate it. Then the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? The serpent deceived me. She replied, that's why I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all animals, domestic and wild. You will crawl on your belly, groveling in the dust as long as you live. And I will cause, cause hostility between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head, and you will strike his heel. We'll stop there. We want to look at what's going on here. We've got everything was created good, and then all of a sudden the serpent comes in. The serpent representing Satan he comes in and he says, "Did God really say cuz in Genesis 2 God says, all this is yours. It's all yours. That one tree in the middle of the six bazillion trees out there, that's the only one I want you to stay away from. Don't eat that fruit. Everything else is yours. Have have at it. We ask this question a lot. We ask it. We hear it asked a lot. Why do bad things happen in the world today? Does anyone here believe bad things happen in our world today? A couple things. If I just say ISIS... If I say murder, rioting, abuse, cancer, death, flooding, natural disasters. We ask, why do bad things happen? If God is who he says he is, why do these things happen? Next time people ask that, just say two words. Genesis 3. That's where it started. This wasn't the world that God intended when he created it. But God also gave Adam and Eve and all of us a free will so that we could choose to follow him and to love him. So when Satan came in to Eve and deceived her, she decided, maybe God's holding out. Maybe there's something better out there than what he's been telling us, because that's what the serpent's saying. And so we we look at that and we say, why would that possibly, why would you do that? God gave one clear rule. It wasn't like God came up to Adam and Eve and said, "Hey, all these trees out there, there's one out there that I don't want you to get near. I don't want you to eat that fruit. I'm not going to tell you which one. Good luck. Go." He didn't do that. He came. It wasn't nebulous where he came out and said, "Hey, I just want you to do something and not do something. Go." He went out and said, "All this is yours. This is all yours. Enjoy it." Just stay away from that one tree. And isn't it just like us human nature? All of us were kids. Most of us were kids at one time. Right, some of you just, you know, I, I know. I, I've met some people that seriously. At two, they were already 40. And it's just like, you know, it's just, that's just weird. But most of us were kids. And, and we know that when our parents told us something, our parents said, I want you to stay away from this. In our mind, we just knew that. You know why? You know why they're saying that? It's because... That's fun. And they want to have all the fun, and they don't want us to have any fun. So, no, I'm not going to do that. And so we'll go out there, and we'll just do it. And then we'll realize most of the time, it wasn't fun. They were actually trying to protect us. And that's what Adam and Eve were doing. God says, everything, have at it, stay away from that. Oh, oh that's because it's fun. God doesn't want us to be like Him. So it must be fun. And that's, that's the lie they came out of there. And so Satan comes in and deceives Eve. He comes in as a snake, as a serpent. I was just reading an article the other day because once in a while I, I read. Um, not very often, but when there's pictures, I just really kind of get into it. So, But they these scientists discovered, they said, bazillions and bazillions of years ago, snakes had feet and ankles. And I'm reading that and I was like... Well, if you go back to Genesis 3, I could have probably told you that. Because it looks like it says here, it says, the snake is cursed, and he's going to, it says, because you've done this, you're cursed. You will crawl on your belly, groveling as a dust, in the dust, as long as you live. Which means that there was a time when snakes weren't doing that. I don't know if that they were standing upright and walking around, which would be really freaky, but it seems like there was a time when they weren't slithering around like. Grow snakes. There's only two creatures in the world that I really don't really like. Snakes and cats. All right? I just, I don't, you know, some of you I know are cat lovers, and I'm really sorry. I just don't get cats. All right? I, I've, I've heard the story where you bring food to a dog, and the dog goes, That person's bringing me food. They must be God. And the cat, you bring the food to the cat, and the cat goes, That person's bringing me food. I must be God and that's kind of how it feels, you know the cats just like I own this world and leave me alone and And so cats snakes and so snakes I just I get around snakes and I just get kind of queasy I was working in an archery range at a camp a long time ago and I was in charge of the archery range and I was in charge of this pop machine that for some reason was out in the middle of a Field in an archery range and so I had to fill it up. I had to take the money out so I open up this machine and there's like a dollar thing where you can put the dollars in, and, and you have to m- pull that little thing, mechanism out. So I pull it out. As I'm getting ready to pull it out, I'm not lying this time. Um, this snake was wrapped around the thing because I, it wanted to stay warm. It was wrapped around the sink, and its head is looking right at me. And, I, and somebody's like, oh, it's a garter snake. And I was like, no, it was a Cobra. That thing was like, you know, it was just, and the venom was coming out. The tongue was like eight feet, you know, it's just, it just freaked me out. And my mother, luckily my mother was visiting with us. And as soon as I saw that, I was just tailing out of there, screaming like a girl, trying to find someone to help me as my mother picked up a stick and just kind of hit the thing and it it took off. So I came back and I was like, well, mom, I did that for you (laughs) because I wanted you to still know that you can still protect me. So, after all those years, so I just don't do snakes. And then um, we went to South Dakota, and we were we we're visiting like this show, and it had one of these exhibits where it was like all these snakes. And I was to this day, I'm sitting here going, why did I go? What is it that would possibly draw me? It's like going to a cat show. <laughs> why would I do that? So I'm, I'm here, and it's like. They bring out all these snakes, and, and these aren't the garter snakes. Right? These are the pythons and, and all these things. And I was like, tell me who in the world would even get close to that thing? What is wrong with that person? And then they said, who wants to come up and touch the snake? And, you know, the guy's up here. I'm back with Roger. Oh, I'm, back, I'm back there going, if I could get any further back, I would. So here comes Christian, my, my son. He, he's like, oh, I'll do it. And he comes up, and I'm just yelling at him, going, get back here. What are you, adopted? She's, just, uh, you know, there's something wrong with him. So he comes up, and he's like, oh, pet the snake. I said, you don't pet snakes. <laughs> it's just, that's not normal. And then the guy goes, who wants to put this snake around your neck? And I was like, uh-uh. I said, I said, Susie, you better stop this. I said, you better go grab your kid, because he's too far away from me. But I was like, and so they, they put this thing around his neck. And I was like, This is insane. This is why, why, you know, and so I'm just, I'm just waiting for it to go, to start, you know, going around his neck. And so as I'm looking, as I I start thinking, I'm like, I just hate snakes. And you know what? I hate snakes because back in Genesis three, that's where it all started. That's where my hate of snakes came from was the snake came up and it went to Eve and it said, God's holding out on you. God is, God knows that if you eat from that tree, you're going to be like him. You're going to know things that God knows. And so Eve starts thinking about it. And she's like, wow. You know what? That fruit does look good. It's not that the way it always is? Whatever we're not allowed to have looks so much better. Doesn't it? You sit there and you go to a buffet. This is the way I work. I go to a buffet. I got all this food out there. And then they say, oh, this over here is going to cost a little extra. Why is it that that always looks so much better than everything that's out there on the buffet? And that's the way it is here. They had a buffet of everything. They could have anything they wanted. And and she's like, man, but that, you're right, that does look a lot better. So she takes it. She eats it. And then she goes to her stupid husband, you know, and and where's he? You know, we look at him and we go, Adam, what are you doing? And he's just like, oh, just watching. You know, it's just kind of like, you know, so she goes, hey, you got to try this. So being the godly man that he is, okay. And he goes and he knows what he's supposed to do, eats it. And then right at that point, it says their eyes are open and they realize they were naked. As soon as they ate that, they realized they were naked. And and our choices, I, I want us to think about for a, a second here, the choices that we make, we, we buy into this lie that we can do things that we know are wrong and not have a negative consequence. We buy into this lie that I can do something And I can get away with it, and nothing's going to happen to me. It happens when we're driving. We'll run a red light. We'll look in our rearview mirror, and we don't see lights. So we think, I'm okay, I got away with it. I was driving to um, Omaha because my my daughter graduated in December. She walked in May from college. And so I went out there, and great ceremony. Coming back, we'll come back to Council Bluffs. And I'm getting gas, and I'm trying to get back on to the highway. And I'm driving down the the road, and all of a sudden I realize that I need to go left. And I look around. There's there's no one to my left, so I I get over and I and I get onto the the highway. Well, my son goes, Dad, that was a red light. I guess there's a red arrow there. You know, I mean, I don't know why. I, I don't look at those things. So, um, but there's a red arrow there, and I was like, oh man. So you know, I did. I was kind of like, all right, all right, didn't. No, one, no one's around. I guess we're going to be okay. It's like, I don't want to just go to the police station and say, hey, um, by the way, I ran a red light. And um, so do what you got to do. And I'm like, Jeremy, you probably get that all the time. You know, it's, it's, it's just, you know they just line up. So, so I get home. Don't even think about it. Nothing. Till two weeks later, I get a little lovely letter in the mail from Council Bluffs. And I was like, who in Council Bluffs is writing me? So I open it up, and there's a picture of my van. And it's at a red light. And then there's a picture of my van going through the red light. And I was just looking at this going, what? And then I was like, and then I looked and I see the fine. I go, holy cow, what is this? And they said, blah, 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 you can't dispute this or whatever like that. And I was like, I can dispute it in my head. I'm going to do, I'm doing that right now. And then you go online to pay for it. And I'm, I'm at work and Susie calls the church and she goes, Nelson, I want to pay it online. There's a video you can look at. So I said, Susie, do I want to look at the video? She goes, pay the fine. (laughs) You don't want to look at it. So I ended up paying the fine. But this whole time, for like two weeks, I'm thinking, nothing happened. You know, I I got away with it, I guess. And that's the way it is in our lives. A lot of times we think we've done something and we've gotten away with it. But what we fail to realize is that God... The creator of the universe knows everything. And it's not like anything's hidden from him. It's basically like your whole life you've got a camera following you around. And so when you do something, that, ca- that camera's r- recording everything. So if you think that you've gotten away with something, you haven't. But we, we believe that. And then we get the consequences. Adam and Eve ate the fruit. That's where sin started. All of us in this room... Myself included, are sinners. A sinner is anyone who goes against what God wants. We've done anything that we know goes against what God wants. There's no one in this room that can say, I've never done that. We're all sinners. And it started back with Adam and Eve. And the consequences from that, the first one is that the broken relationship with each other. Adam and Eve had a broken relationship with each other. You look at verse 7. It says... At that moment, their eyes were open, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. To that point, there was no shame. They were walking around naked, and there was no... no, Who cares? All of a sudden, they eat the apple. We're naked. we have got to cover up. Why were... Who were they ashamed? I mean, it was only Adam and Eve. It wasn't like... You had a bunch of cows out there and they're like, oh, we got to cover up because, you know, the cows are embarrassed. I like that. It was, they were, they were ashamed. They were embarrassed because they were naked in front of each other. And that hadn't happened to that point. And then you go to verse 16 and it says, Then God said to the woman, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy and in pain you will give birth. And you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. So you have that conflict between husband and wife, that started back in Adam and Eve, that wasn't there before. So if you got that broken relationship with each other, and then you got a broken relationship with God. Verse 8. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? I can picture this. I don't worship a God I don't know about you, I don't worship a God who can lose at hide and seek. All right? I don't. So when I read this, it cracks me up because I'm not believing for a second that God's sitting and going, I created everything, I know everything, I see everything. I know I put Adam, I know they're, I, they're out here somewhere. Come on, where are you guys? Come on. It's like, he's calling out saying, hey, you know what? It's time for you guys to, to own up to this. He could have just gone and said, I see you, like that. He goes, where are you? And so here's Adam and Eve like, he can't see us, like that. And so they come out and and they confess, hey, man, we, we heard you in the garden and we hid. So God says, why are you hiding? Did you eat from that tree that I told you not to eat from? I love the fact that God really can only ask rhetorical questions. He can't ask a question that he doesn't know the answer to. Did you eat from that tree? It's not like God is like, I hope you didn't. I really hope you didn't. I mean, he already knew. And so then we get to where you look at this and you see that, that um, it's, as they're going through the, the next thing, you've got broken relationship with each other. You've got a broken relationship with God. And then you've got the next consequence, which is the blame game. We've all been there. You've got the blame game. Look at verses 12 and 13, Genesis 3. Then the Lord God asked the woman, What have you done? No, let's go back. I'm sorry. Let me read twelve instead of thirteen. The man replied, It was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit, and I ate it. So God goes, Did you eat from that tree? What's the first thing the man does? Blames two people. Do you see the two people he blames in that verse? First one is the woman, right? It's that woman. She's the one that gave it to me. If she hadn't given it to me, I wouldn't have eaten it. But she seduced me. She she made me do it. And then he goes on and says, not only is it the woman, it's the woman you gave me. God, you're the one that brought this wife. You know what? If you had never brought this woman into my life, (laughs) we would be all right. But you brought this woman into my life. She eats the fruit. She makes me eat it. And here we are today. So we get that blame game going. And then Eve's not off the hook. Because she comes up and, and says, Then the Lord God asked the woman, What have you done? The serpent deceived me. That's why I ate it. So the woman's like, You know what? It's that snake. If that snake hadn't been here, If you hadn't created snakes, God, we'd be fine. But that serpent came out and told me you know, all this stuff. And so that's why I did it. So we get into the blinking where we start to blame other people for our actions. In Genesis 3 to 2015, We do the same thing. We don't want to take responsibility for our actions. We want to sit there and try to figure out who else can I possibly blame for what's going on in my life. And we we look at it and we, we think about at school. When I was in school, I'll tell you honestly, there were some bad teachers. Any class that I got a C in, there were bad teachers. All right. And it, it is that way today. I come home the kids, come home and they say, hey, you know what? Here are my grades. They go through what happened here. Bad teacher, you know. And then I say, well, what about the rest of the class? Oh, they're they're fine. I said, so she's just bad to you. And then, you know, and you go through this whole, you know, we've had it. If you've got kids in school, you know that you've got that conversation that goes back and forth and she just hates me. You know, you know, you're going back and forth, and after a while, you start to say, "Well, so do I right now. So just let's let's leave." So, but it's you got to have it. You're always blaming. You're blaming your boss if something, if you didn't make a deadline or something like that. There's always someone else to blame for it. You're driving, and something happens. You're going to find someone else to blame. We always have that, and and that's the curse that comes, came back all the way in the beginning where we don't want to take responsibility. We have a hard time taking responsibility for our actions, not only as kids, but also as adults. We look at every day, and, we, and we, we find ways that we can kind of get away from owning something that's happened. And when we, when we look back at Genesis 3, it, it says, you know what? God called out, and he said, where are you? Because he wanted Adam to hold himself accountable. He wanted Adam to come out and say, here I am. Let's have a talk. And so God calls out and He says, Where are you? I can't find you. You're, you're, you're such a good hider. And they can come out and they have that conversation. So here's the, that's the bad. We've got good, Genesis 1 and 2. We've got the bad, Genesis 3. But then I want us to, to look in the middle of this whole chapter and realize that God, in spite of all this bad, pulls out some good and gives us some hope. Verse 15 it says, I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. When we look at all the bad that's happening, God says, all this stuff is, is going on. And he basically says, you're cursed. You're going to have pain in childbirth. You're going to have broken relationships. Our relationship is broken. And then in verse 15, God says, I'm going to, there's, there is hope. And he goes on and he basically says to to Satan, he says, you know what? You're going to strike his heel. His heel, meaning when you look at this, it's the offspring of Eve, Christ. He's already foreshadowing in Genesis 3, we're already seeing into the New Testament. Where Christ is going to come into the picture. He's going to live on this earth. He's going to live as a human. To where he's going to be able to be attacked. Satan can't attack God as God. But Satan was able to attack God as human. Can we look here and it says, he's going to, you, you will strike, he will strike your head. Satan, Christ will strike your head, Satan, and you will strike his heel. When Christ was walking on the earth, God allowed Satan for a time to strike Christ's heel. He went through temptation. He went through pain and suffering. He went through the ultimate death on the cross. But when you look at that, the cool thing is, he was just striking Christ's heel. Because three days later, Christ rose from the dead, conquered death, conquered sin, and conquered Satan. And there's a time when he says, he's going to strike Satan's head and crush him. And so through all of this bad, God still gives a glimpse of hope in the middle of that to say, even though we're all sinners, even though we're separated from God, there's hope out there, and it's through Christ. Back from Genesis 3 all the way to today, many people have sat there and said, you know what, in order for me to be made right with God, I've got to follow these rules. If I just follow these rules, I'm going to be okay. Or if I have this religion and I just say that I'm part of this religion, I'm going to be okay. If I do these rituals, if I continue to do these things, God's going to look at me and He's going to say, you're okay in my eyes. But God says, it's none of those things that save you. He says, it's a relationship. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ that makes you right with God. Because our our relationship with God was broken in Genesis 3. It was fractured. And God said, in Genesis 3.15, I'm going to fix that. I'm going to make a way to fix that relationship. And it's going to be through Christ on the cross. That's the only way that we can be made right with God again. You can't be good enough to go before God and say, God, you can accept me now. It's only through what Christ did on the cross for us that he paid the penalty that we deserved. So that when the picture that I always use is when we say, Christ, I know that you died on the cross. You took my sin. You took my place. Christ comes and he covers us. He wraps himself around us. So when God looks down... The only way we can be made right with God is by being perfect. The only way we can be made right with God is by being perfect. And we can't do that. But when God looks down and he sees Christ wrapped around us, then he says, they're perfect because of Christ. Not because of what they've done. They're going to still mess up. But they're perfect in God's eyes because Christ has his arms around them. And that's the only way that we can be made right with God. And thank God that he doesn't leave us in Genesis 3 and say, there is no hope. And he gives us that hope there. And then, as we close up here, I just want us to look at what is it that that hope looks like? That paradise. What does Hawaii look like in God's eyes? Isaiah 11, eight says, In that day the wolf and the lamb will live together. The leopard will lie down with the baby goat. The calf and the yearling will be safe with the lion, and a little child will lead them. The cows will graze near the bear. The cub and the calf will lie down together. The lion will eat hay like a cow. Now this next part I could have left out. The baby will play safely near the hole of a cobra. Yes, a little child will put its hand in a nest of deadly snakes without harm. I'm like, what well, God, why? It's like, you know, you were doing great. Why'd you have to throw that in there and just kind of freak me out? Like, this is heaven? Wait a minute, you know. But it's that idea that no, there's not going to be any of these problems that we have. We think about problems that we have in the world. Here it's going to be a little kid and just put his hand in deadly snakes and, and be fine. I'm not really sure I want to be around for that. But, but uh, it's just the idea that there isn't going to be all this stuff that we see today, this chaos and this confusion. And then... Um, we, we look at Romans 5:19. It says, "Because one person disobeyed God, Adam, many became sinners. But because one other person obeyed God, Christ, many will be made righteous." It says, "Adam in Genesis 3, we are, we're sinners. Christ in the New Testament, we could be made righteous." And then First Corinthians 15:21 and 22. So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. Isn't that a great way to end a bad news chapter? That there's going to come a time when we're going to be made right with God because of Christ, if we understand what Christ did for us. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much. As we look in your word that in Genesis 1 and 2, it was good. And then it went to bad. But we see the good again because of who you are, because of your love for us. And the fact that you didn't have to do anything to restore that relationship. It was our fault, Lord, that we chose to go against you. And that we continue to do that. But, Lord, you chose to reach out to us, to seek us out. And to restore that relationship. I pray that you'll just help each one of us to understand that. As we go through the week, Lord, help us to to understand there are consequences, Lord, for the actions in our life. But, Lord, you've come to fix all that and to make our relationship right with you. In Jesus' name, amen.